This is the Financial Coconut, Singapore's first personal finance podcast network. And I'm Timothy Mazier, Editor-in-Chief of Blockhead. Join me and the crew on our weekly Friday segment as we filter out the noise in the crypto space and keep you updated on the ideas that actually matter. This is Blockcast. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay, so welcome back to another episode of Blockcast. I'm your host, Reggie, a.k.a. Your Chief Financial Coconut. Uh, this is Tim, uh, Managing Editor of Blockhead. And... We have a new guest in the studio. Yeah, bye, Mark. Just go, just go. <laughs> We're done. Enough. Enough of Uncle Talk. Yes. Sorry, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> Introduce yourself. Um, I'm Kohan. I'm co-founder and editor of Blockhead as well. Oh, okay. So then, Mark, what, what is Mark doing? Right? Then he doesn't need to be here. Right? everything what else. <laughs> nice. So what's your background? Could you give us, uh, let our audience get to know you a little um, bit more? So I'm from the UK. Uh, I've been working editorial for most of my life. I ran my own editorial publication in the UK. Uh, it's called Resonate. It was became Europe's largest East Asian culture publication. And then uh, met Mark online and uh, brainstorming some ideas. And uh, yeah, here yeah. we are. <laughs> um, do you regret? <laughs> of course not, Reggie. <laughs> I mean, so- I regret a lot, a lot of other things, but not, not this. <laughs> Nice, nice. Okay, so PR, uh, so so PG, uh, everything. <laughs> Very good. Okay, Mark, you're still welcome. Like, we'll have you back. We'll have you back. But yeah, another crazy week. Uh, a lot of things are happening in the market, not just in the crypto market, but also in the stock market. So maybe there's some parallels going on. Um, Anybody want to take the first story, right? Bring us through what's happening this week. So exciting. Okay, okay. I'll do the first one. You know, mm. the, the, the big news this week is... Ethereum's next big upgrade. Uh, it's called Chappella. You may have seen the news. Uh, I think it dropped yesterday. Uh, Chappella is a portmanteau of Shanghai. So it's, it's called the Shanghai Upgrade plus Capella. So essentially what this upgrade means for the Ethereum network is that Ethereum stakers and validators will be able to withdraw their deposits uh, from the beacon chain. So this will allow staked Ethereum to be withdrawn over time. Mm. So, I mean, it, it went well. The question now is how will the market react? Uh, yeah. People are speculating on whether large stakers will dump their newly unlocked tokens or whether, you know, this change will create more confidence in staking mm. and hence increase participation. Okay, okay. So so my, my first question is why? Why are you doing that? Like, what's the value of Ether trying to do something like that? Because it then completes its functionality as a proof of stake because you can't really have full proof of stake without unstaking. Uh, so it's kind of what I think people have been waiting for the longest time um, because the merge happens last year, yeah. Yeah. which was a move from proof of work to proof of stake. And so this kind of completes that upgrade. 
So essentially, when when you're when you are validated on Ethereum that well, you have to put up an amount of ETH, which is then locked up. You can't do anything with this locked up ETH. Yeah. So it essentially just sits there, unlike you know other blockchains where you can you know stake it or like I mean, or you can use it for 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 other purposes. Mm. Um, this one has been locked away indefinitely but now validators are, are able to withdraw their tokens from the staking network yeah okay so that means once they withdraw essentially they're no longer validating within a network right that means they're no longer doing the work within the network and then they, they leave essentially that's the idea and then you kind of allow that liquidity to move correct yeah theoretically yeah but i think it's worth bearing in mind that the people that staked I'm sure, I'm sure some of them maybe anticipated the price movement, but I mean, the Ethereum community is, is a pretty strong one. So I think it's fair to say that, uh, I mean, the cause Ethereum, people like Ethereum because you can build upon it. It has a lot of great potential, especially post upgrade. Um, so a lot of them are very loyal to it, you know, um, and we've spoken, spoken to a few people who are, I guess, Ethereum max maximalists who... <laughs> I'm sure would stake it and, and keep it, you know, as like a Ethereum fan. You know, people mm-hmm. speak very highly of it. I mean, uh, yeah, Jengi and I went to the merge party. It was it was very bizarre. It was like a merge party last year where they counted down for the merge to happen, and it was just everyone was just going mad, like it was like it was the coming <laughs> of Christ or something. You know, like, it was pretty. It was pretty insane the way that people were so loyal to Ethereum. <laughs> So I'd imagine that people at this point would uh, stake and not withdraw the, the earliest convenience. Mm-mm-mm. Okay, okay. So, so I, I think Ether definitely went down quite a path, right? In the sense of like it essentially broke away from how every other blockchain wants to do yeah. its thing. So instead of compute power, essentially now it's it's about how much financial strength you have, you know, to be within the Ether network, right? But isn't this like going back to the same set of problems? It's just about how much money you have, right? I mean, yes. Does, does, does it strengthen? I mean... I don't want to go into the whole Mark spiel, right? Like, like, wow, wow, atas, atas kind of discussion. But <laughs> does it strengthen the network itself? Like, does it promote more innovation on the network? Does it build more value? Does it actually create? Have you seen, or like, you know, like, are we seeing tangible expansion on, on the network itself? Uh, maybe it's too soon to say, but like pre Chapella, that means before yesterday, um, <laughs> the, the, the staking rate of Ethereum was like around 15%. Compared to other top 20 proof-of-stake uh, networks, they have an average of 60%. So this low staking rate of Ethereum was attributed to like technical or liquidity risks. So now withdrawals um, enabled, the ETH maximalists are expecting a surge in staking deposits. Um, so uh, the staking rate is expected to increase. Mm. Uh, you know, So this will also like increase liquidity uh, trading of ether and then you know possibly more institutional capital into the crypto economy mm. um yeah uh, early stakers will be able to reinvest their staking rewards yeah yeah uh, no, i was just gonna add on to that that we heard that a lot of institutions as well are pretty excited by it because they're creating like a lot of uh, new products for their clients Mm-hmm. Um, because of the new risk-free rate, which is synonymous with like traditional capital markets. Yeah, so yeah. they can now implement that in because mm-hmm. I think before they were a bit nervous about how long it would take for stickers to withdraw. But now that that's sorted, uh, they can build products for their clients, which are more akin to traditional markets, but with the Ethereum yields and Ethereum benefits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it, I get it. So, But but uh, I, 
I think my concern is, is this going to cause like a bi- bubble to to kind of spiral ahead, right? Essentially, because at the core, at the core, if, if let's say there's a lot more utility that's been created by this whole big move, because this is essentially just an extension of Ether's move away from proof of work, right? Essentially, yep. right? So as an extension, are we seeing the whole Ethernet will grow in terms of like more projects being done, you know, more transactions moving around, like more prosperity, such that the top line staking volumes, all, all that, essentially people that are trying to make money out of this has real utility under underlining it or is this just like, oh, we're going to let more money speculate too at the top and then create a bigger bubble and see how it happens? Not sure. I mean, I think it's too early to say. La. <laughs> okay, okay. I think maybe perhaps you're right in the, in the short run uh, that, yeah, for sure, people are going are gonna to jump on board and speculate with the price. But I think the thing that you should bear in mind with this upgrade is that it's, it's a long-term benefit for the, for the, for the platform. Yeah, because this whole thing is about the long-term benefit of the platform. Yeah, that's what right, I wanted the price to do. Could easily, yeah, yeah, could easily bubble yeah. up and it could easily pop. It could, in the short term, you know, it could be very, very volatile. I think. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so at this point in time, just for clarity's sake, it doesn't look like this whole shift, this whole move, is creating a lot of long-term value yet for the platform. Is that what I'm hearing? In the immediate term, perhaps. Okay, okay. Yeah, because you guys are covering the space, right? If you don't see a lot yeah. more development on Ether, you don't see a lot more exciting things <laughs> building upon, then then don't have lah, right? So, <laughs> so, so <laughs> that's the base idea, right? So then this unlocking of capital essentially is just letting people that have already parked their money in to liquidate out and then let the flow at the top on the capital to move in and out, right? Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mm-hmm. create under... Or at this point in time, the thesis hasn't proved that this is going to create more underlying value for Ether to be the blockchain of choice when you're developing things. Essentially, that's the idea. Yeah, but but you know, okay. also, I mean, the, the whole point is to increase the staking ratio. Yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. So, you know, when the staking ratio is higher, uh, network security is also boosted. Uh, mm, mm, um, mm. And then, you know, yeah, the blockchain health uh, improves. Uh, Okay. Can you give give uh, our listeners that are like more on the edge, right? How, why does a higher staking rate increase the security of Ether? Because in the old, old, I cannot even say old, it's not that old. On all other blockchains, it's proof of work. Essentially, it's by compute power, right? The more compute power mm-hmm. is allocated to their blockchain, the stronger it is. It's harder to take over the whole chain. But when you come into Ether as a capital structure now, right? Where it's like how much money you have. So I just want to close that gap of like, how does the increase in staking rate then increase the security of Ether? So basically, when you stake your, your, your token or crypto, you're, you're contributing to the proof of stake system that keeps decentralized networks like Ethereum running. So you become a validator on the blockchain, you, meaning you verify and process the transactions as they come through if you are chosen by the algorithm. The more crypto you stake, the more likely the network will pick you as a validator. Mm-hmm. When there are more validators on board, the network security increases because more of the network's computing power is being used to process these transactions. Okay, 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 okay. So, so essentially... What we are thinking about is because Ether has moved to a proof of stake, when you allow more people to stake and put money into the Ether network, you're essentially throwing away all the jargons, right? You're essentially welcoming more people to hold more money in Ether, right? Correct. And then put in back into the ecosystem as, as a quote-unquote proof of stake, right? Yeah. So then essentially more money is being held within the Ether system. Fair? Correct. I mean, not money, la, but, but, yeah, yeah, but the, the token but itself. The, the yeah. value in itself, yeah. right? Essentially, you're creating a base where more is being held within rather than circulate outside, right? So by extension, then in the theory of proof of stake, 
then it creates a more stable base and safer. Is that, is that the idea? I think, yeah. yeah. Like, it, oh. it, it basically, that, that, that's what it is. And previously, like, like I said, the amount of Ether that was being staked was very low compared to other proof-of-stake blockchains. Mm-hmm. Uh. Mm-hmm. So now with this upgrade where, you know, you can withdraw the, the ETH you've put in uh, a lot more easily when you want, it should theoretically attract more participants yeah, to participate yeah, yeah. on the blockchain. Uh. Okay, okay, fair. Interesting. Let's see, let's see. You said it went it went down and then went back up again, right? I don't know what's that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think the price has actually moved all that much since the announcement or, or like le- even leaning up to the announcement. As opposed to last year, um, yeah. when, when there was a previous upgrade, there was a lot of talk in the months leading up to it. Um, there was like a little bit of a bubble there. Um, this time around, uh, we haven't seen much price movement leading up to the to the upgrade and since the upgrade. Yeah. It's also worth bearing in mind, I think, that they can't all withdraw at once. Mm. Uh, apparently, if every day there's a fixed number of like withdrawals allowed anyway. Of course, if not, there'll be a bank run. Yeah. So there could be a queue which is then formed and it could last like a week or so. Um, so I don't know if that have a delay on the price of people and stake and then nice. sell. But it doesn't seem like it's too much of a buy the rumor, sell the news yet. But I mean, it only just happens. So. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are expecting a incoming dump, right? Yeah. Why though? Yeah, because people think that, that they'll then stake and sell because they've been staking it for a while, I guess. And the okay. price has gone up sense so i mean if, if you had bought ethereum at like you know 300 500 it's been locked yeah. away all this time mm, you know yeah. it's time to cash out okay yeah okay, at least fair. some of it even if you are eth maximalist like surely if you had a massive <laughs> sack full of ethereum surely you just let go with some of it no right? they're the they're the diamond hands bro they're, they're, <laughs> they're gonna be there all the way all the way i think you you, you needed like 32 eth to yeah. operate a node so it's not like small amounts. Uh, yeah, it's not like fractional true. bits here and there. It's like, you know, yeah, 32 ETH for a node. Yeah, you have to state the 32. Yeah, correct. Nice, nice. Okay, good to know. Let's see Let's see how ETH will perform um, in the next few weeks. Yeah, so uh, I love how crypto is the next few weeks kind of thing. Uh, <laughs> every week on news one, we will never go out of business. Okay. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Oh, and bring us to next to story two. Yeah. Okay. The second story we want to talk about is Bitcoin hit 30,000, uh, which actually in the it? <laughs> grand scheme of things, it's a bit of an arbitrary number if you think about it, but it's been a target that people have been looking at for a while. People are pointing towards perhaps the Fed ending uh, rate hikes after the next one. They're saying it could reflect a wider, brighter economic outlook. And then there's also, you know, the, the banks that fell could be a positive thing for, for Bitcoin. Wait, you feel like the bank, the banks that fell could be a positive no, no, thing for I'm just Bitcoin? Saying these, these, these are reasons that people are throwing out there as to why there's strength behind. Yeah, that's why we're here to discuss, right? We, we can, yeah. Don't, don't fluff. Don't, yeah, yeah, don't. not necessarily, <laughs> necessarily that I agree on it. Uh, other people are saying that, you know, the crypto market liquidity is low because of the bank's collapse. Mm, it's harder mm. with the whole fiat on-off ramps being closed. It's harder to yeah, put money yeah. places. So then you need a few people to 
only if you need a few buyers to push the market. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of different yeah, yeah, speculations yeah. as to why it's hit this number. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess the question now is, okay, now it's hit it. What next? Will it sustain it? Will it go up? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot, a lot of different factors. Like, like, like Owen has said, you know, everyone is just has been fixated on this uh, arbitrary number of 30K. I guess it's a nice round number. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, mean, more, more, I mean, more importantly, they, I'm so bemused by the crypto world, right? It's like, oh, how do you do your own research? Or oh, read the LinkedIn profile. Oh, wow, why 30K? Cause a nice round number. Yeah, <laughs> hey, shit, man. Uh, like, what are you guys doing? Yeah. Well, okay, please, please continue. No, no, but, but, but I mean, uh, everyone is just wondering at what base will, will you know, Bitcoin consolidate at it is 90% up since mm. November investors do think that the Fed will end its uh, you know monetary tightening policy and there was a, a bit of a narrative building you know for, for for Bitcoin over the past few months you know yeah like what like what what narrative building around the Bitcoin what new narrative can it build okay maybe not new but you know the crypto market is driven by narratives, right? As we've uh, seen, there, there needs to be a story. And you are part of the problem. Always creating <laughs> stories. <laughs> but yeah, what's the what's the narrative there now for Bitcoin? What has come back? The fact that it's the former narrative of it being a portfolio hedge uh, of, you know, hedge against inflation, Bitcoin will rise when, when, when more money is being printed, you know, blah, blah, blah. And that was the narrative that was driving it previously. Didn't that whole shit just died? It, it died last year, right? Of course, yeah. But but now 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 it seems to be coming back uh. rubbish like it shouldn't come back la, guys <laughs> right as it's as the as the bigger boys okay the the fundamental structure is this right as more and more of institutional money which is what the whole crypto space is hoping for mm-hmm. come into the space come into the crypto space that means they come from the traditional financial space they made their money they point millions and billions into the space there's got to be more and more congruency or, or at least correlation between how the crypto market moves and how the speculative assets move, right? Or even how the broader market move, right? So it's very hard to be not correlated anymore, right? It is increasingly correlated and you already see it. Like it already happened before the crash. You see more and more of like how speculative tech move alongside together with uh, crypto, right? And and you can say, oh yeah, you know, the retail people, no, it's the same people that they're, they're, they're selling to, but I don't think so. I think it's a lot of this kind of insti money that, that people in the space is hoping to come in, they essentially think the way Insti thinks, right? And mm-hmm. they, they pedal in the structure that, that Insti money pedals. Right? So, so the correlation is going to just like be more cemented and, and less independent you know, uh, relative to, to the traditional market if more and more uh, traditional market money comes in. At least that's my base case. Lah. Right, so please don't please uh, for all of you that are tuning, please wake up, okay? No more, no more what inflation hedge, all those rubbish, <laughs> right? All those are rubbish. It doesn't work, okay? But but okay, like like what Tim said, uh, the the space needs a narrative. But 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 to what you said, Reggie, like I think I read earlier this month, uh, uh, just the uh, start of April, there was a, there was a report that the number of crypto wallets holding at least one Bitcoin re- has reached an all time high of like uh, above a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, I, I come from a different narrative when I look at that. If you ask me within a crypto narrative, I would say it's more like Bitcoin has been around for a long time. Uh, it has shown relative resilience in the overall system. The system never break down, mm. right? And um, as much as it moves through cycles, it held itself, 
right? So so uh, trust is built over time in a monetary system. That is very important, right? So uh, I, I come from the view that it is because the the global markets is a bit messy at this point in time. Geopolitics going crazy, you know, like um, China, US dispute, blah, blah. You know, some money is trying to find certain safe places to hide and other than property which is like have you seen the New York area have you seen the Singapore area how, how, many, how many more properties can you squeeze into like prime areas because let's be clear uh, you buy suburbs uh, there's no appreciation in suburbs uh. rural even worse uh. you better you better be farming uh. you know don't go and buy some weird rural land okay but anyway anyway <laughs> so so um, <laughs> so for the people that have the financial psyche that's just trying to like always about maximization and to profit right then they gotta hide somewhere right so other than hiding in these kind of places then i think more and more money will end up hiding bitcoin or at least a fraction of it will hide here just for the very fact that it's been saved over a prolonged period of time in the sense of the structure not in the sense of um, the price right because price has been crazy like we all know right but the structure has held itself for extended period of time and it's quite a miracle right if you think about it right so uh yeah perhaps also um you know, recent like regulatory enforcement actions in general, mm. it, it, efforts to bring more accountability and transparency to the market have also helped. Uh. Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, you, less less weird things happening in the market, you will see the next tranche of people come in, right? Mm. Uh, yeah, because it's always the wild, wild west until you sort it out, right? And then when you <laughs> sort it out, then other people will be like, oh, actually, not so scary, you can come in. So the next tranche of people slowly, slowly come in, right? I think, I think that's the, rather than the whole narrative of like, Bitcoin's an inflation hedge and all that, right? So I think that's kind of, that's kind of where I am. And I think it's, it's good, right? That you point out that there are new, uh, more more net accounts, you know, and, and uh, you know, more and more accounts holding on to a whole Bitcoin. In other words, I mean, there was a period of time Bitcoin was much cheaper. Of course, easier to hold one whole thing, lah. You know, mm. so, so, so that's one thing. But but also, uh, it does show when when you have more and more of these kind of things, then it's collective acceptance, right? The structure expands, and it becomes safer, quote unquote, safer because more and more mm. people are in it, right? So um, yeah, I think I think that that forms the underpinning value of of Bitcoin collective acceptance rather than inflation hedge. Uh, that, that's kind of... Right. So you think the... So to clarify, you, you think there's um, going to be an increased ties of correlation between Bitcoin and like traditional markets? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so I mean, yeah, we mentioned earlier that you know, earnings season is this month, I think Friday mm. or something, right? Mm. So mm. then if the banks all release all their statements and everything and they've all like done, for example, they've all done terribly, which would be understandable based mm. on you know everything that's gone on. Do you think Bitcoin will go down as well with it? Mm, this I think is a little bit of a stretch in a sense of I don't dare to put both of them together at this point in time there's not enough clarity there because the financial market is not just the banks the the banks true, is, true. is really just doing a lot of the loans the deals that's, that's why on the financial statements the first line of all banks financial statements is interest rates like interest collected yeah right so 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 it's it's not as clear cut but you will see probably more and more fund houses coming in more and more fund managers pushing money in more family office coming in so it's not so direct, I would say, right? And I think a lot of news cycles, we tend to try too hard to have a clear answer, right? So <laughs> this is a bit more complicated uh, in, in my view, yeah. But you do see you do see that the Fed is definitely trying to bring interest rates down, you know, um, you know at this point in time because uh, they've, any higher is going to kill them even more, right? Why, why would you want to prolong interest rates, right? So um, 
they're, they're trying to bring it down. So um, that line of sentiment, I think I can agree a little bit more. You know, uh, speculative assets come in, you uh, cheaper credit comes in again and all that, right? So so I think that's that's a little bit more there, lah, right? But even that, I don't know if it will hold at 30,000. But, but yeah, yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's my that's my bit. Thanks for listening to my 30-minute uh, spiel of this, of this day. <laughs> yeah any thoughts guys any other thoughts about bitcoin i mean also because we talked about ethereum there's also the case being made that if ethereum does tank mm. uh it could be good news for bitcoin you know really? people pivot their money out but then again it could also correlate yeah i was reading someone earlier saying that if you want to bet you want to it's not a bad idea to short ethereum and then go bullish on bitcoin but I mean, there's all kinds of nonsense on Twitter. So. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> um, I, I think that's a bit nonsense, nonsensical. And anyway, a uh, inverse correlation is also correlation, uh, right? So, yeah, so uh, yeah, so we we uh, we we got to be clear about that. Or just give me give me a little bit more color, right? As someone that's just learning about the space, is it every time when all the altcoins fall, money will flow into Bitcoin? Is that the idea? It kind of feels like that. Like when anything, every time anything else goes down, it feels like. Bitcoin is like everyone turns back to Bitcoin. Okay. It feels okay. like that. So then when things are safer, Bitcoin, people will sell Bitcoin and, and cash liquidity into the crazy spaces. Is that the idea? Uh, Such a caricature of the space, so, huh? Guess, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, okay, okay, okay. Fair. I mean, fair. put it this way. I think uh, altcoins can fall and Bitcoin would be okay, but I don't think Bitcoin mm-hmm. will fall and the rest of the crypto be okay. Ah, yeah, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> Okay, fair. So Bitcoin is still the barometer of the whole space. Yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Yeah, nice. Any last things to add for Bitcoin? Uh, please don't battle rubbish case. I will attack you. <laughs> <laughs> but any last things to add for Bitcoin? Uh, no, I mean, I think uh, we'll, we'll see what unfolds over the next couple of weeks uh, with this new base that's been formed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's interesting. Interesting that during this period, instead of, you know, people f- moving out of the space, you see more wallets being opened, you see more people holding Bitcoin, you know, and all that. You know, other than, of course, it's, it's cheaper, you know, but you see that build up, right? So I think that is so interesting. I don't have a clear answer for it, but it's, it definitely indicates underlining support for the for the blockchain and you know probably also for the broader crypto space very interesting yeah so this brings me to the third story which is uh new on-ramp strategies arise in crypto right essentially ZA bank is it ZA bank or za bank za bank sounds like a russian <laughs> bank just saying right anyway <laughs> ZA bank hong kong's biggest virtual bank is now facilitating transfers for crypto and fiat currencies and providing accounts services for the city's crypto companies which i think previously we did talk about how hong kong has taken a different path from singapore you know where um, essentially in in the hong kong space um, retail participation is i wouldn't say encouraged but allowed you know whereas in singapore uh, the retail participation is the what what's the what's the narrative that the mas guy was saying uh we want we are pro blockchain or something like that let's support blockchain innovation but you know uh say no to like crypto speculation or something along those lines. Yeah, basically they want to see some sort of use case. Uh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so that, yeah. that is a different position whereas in Hong Kong, till participation in crypto is not outright 
uh, being attacked by their, their central authorities. Uh, but interestingly, over in Singapore, authorities are also collaborating with some of the local banks to establish uniform standards uh, for screening potential customers in the crypto and digital asset sector. In other words, some of these areas, you know, where it's big on financial markets are actually trying to create RAMs, you know, for onboarding and, and leaving the crypto space. Very interesting. Any thoughts, guys? I mean, this is a, it's an underserved yeah, segment. Yeah. Uh. 10% corporate tax. Uh. Just remember, okay? <laughs> 10% corporate tax, guys. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, facilitating settlements for crypto or Web3 companies is needed, especially mm. in Hong Kong, where they are trying to uh, grow or catch up, you know, after like, you know, leaving behind Web3 for a while. Mm. And in Singapore, which, which uh, you know, touts itself as a hub, right? Mm. Um, you need these on-ramps. I mean, Web3 web companies need to know that they are going to be able to operate mm. and move money uh, in and out of the space as, as needed. La. The collapse of, of several crypto-friendly banks uh, in recent months has only created more demand for this. And I mean, if I was someone, uh, a bank in, in, in Singapore or Hong Kong, seeing all my potential uh, customers going to like Switzerland now, because that's the only place where, yeah, that, that, that's where a lot of banks are still uh, accepting clients in this space. You know, it's a lot of money to be made. Um, and, and I'm sure the regulators here also are aware of, of all this money leaving, leaving the borders uh, for, 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 for these jurisdictions. But Hong Kong's move and now uh, Singapore's actions can be seen as a part of a larger trend, right, of increasing acceptance of, of cryptocurrencies by financial institutions uh, globally. Yeah, I think it's a slow and steady game. Yeah, I think Hong Kong's, like Tim said, has been playing catch-up, so they've got their foot on the, the pedal a, a bit harder than Singapore. But Singapore is understandably cautious as it goes. But then, you know, then you look at like Dubai and Dubai now, I think last week they're, they're not backpedaling as such, but because they gave out licenses to, you know, so many companies are now looking to those companies. And I think they asked Binance last week for more information about their like whole corporate structure, you know, things that you would have thought that <laughs> might have been. Should I have you asked questions earlier? Questions that came up before. Yeah, so. <laughs> Should I ask you know, earlier I think, before you give out a license? <laughs> right. So I think, you know, Singapore's def- defense, uh, maybe slow and steady is the way to go. But yeah, signs like, you know, the authorities working with the banks to try and help onboarding. There's still positive signs, you know, it still shows that there's still an interest and appetite for crypto and Web3, but a slow and steady pace. Uh, as for Hong Kong, I guess they're in a position where they might as well just go for it. Not that much to lose, whereas Singapore, I think, is understandably being a bit more cautious. Yeah, yeah, because Hong Kong got big brother, right? Hong Kong. Yeah. Hong Kong, Hong Kong. <laughs> What's the worst? Oh, just join the just join the Greater Southern Bay Area, right? Okay, life continues, no problem. Singapore don't have big brother, right? You gotta every, and the financial markets are very important. We must be a little bit more yeah. cautious. So so I get it. I got it. I mean it's like it's like Hong Kong is like a sandbox, right? For for web free businesses from China. Exactly. And yeah, it doesn't exactly, work there, exactly. it doesn't go back to Shanghai, right? Yeah, so it just yeah. dies in Hong Kong. Bye. Yeah. Right. And, and yeah. Hong Kong dollar is tied to a US dollar. It doesn't even affect the Chinese yuan. Mm. Right, so whatever yeah, exactly. happens, Hong Kong stays in Hong Kong. <laughs> That's the interesting part. <laughs> but but are there are there uh, just just out of curiosity, are there interesting innovations happening in Hong Kong at this point in time that that you 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 think it's worthy to to bring up? I mean, I, I guess we will see a, a a a lot more in the near future because the city is is trying to cultivate like a web three friendly environment. Right? Mm-hmm. So there will be more web three businesses basing themselves there, also because. 
uh, now crypto banking is much easier for for companies that start up over there. And you know, there, there, there's also going to be a revamp uh, digital assets regulatory framework. Um, so yeah, uh, it's going to legalize retail trading of of cryptocurrencies in the city. So um, I mean, I, I think. It, it is it is a space to watch, uh. mm-hmm. Fair. especially you know at a time where it seems like things are coming to somewhat of a standstill in in, in Singapore and maybe to a lesser degree, but also in in, in Dubai. Mm-hmm. There was um, the Hong Kong Investment Fund Pro Digital Future. They plan to invest hundred million into the Web three startups in Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Apparently, they're particularly seeking China related companies transitioning to Web three. Um, so yeah, there is activity happening. It's not just to say there's actual innovation happening in Hong Kong. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like the region's government is trying to attract crypto startups and institutions from the rest of Asia to base themselves in, in Hong Kong. Mm. So are you shifting uh, office? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I, unlike Web3 companies, we actually have a physical space and a kind of parked here. Yeah, in the Web3 world, it doesn't really matter, right? Mm. You know, you just move from Singapore to Dubai to Hong Kong to wherever is the next most crypto-friendly destination. Yeah. Do you see Timothy's face? Like, you guys must see Timothy's face. <laughs> he's like, he's like, I want to do that. <laughs> no, no, it's, like, Mark. it's like I want to do that why am I here right I should be moving around I, 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 I wouldn't choose any of these cities but mm. if it was me I'll be like on a beach somewhere I know I know you're the, you're the Bali kind of like let the sand <laughs> fly into your laptop kind of people right then let your boy run around the sands like, oh yeah great you know that kind right homeschool oh my god that's so tim la. okay okay nice <laughs> nice nice cool cool okay okay so I think that's essentially you see this like regulation coming in taking it more seriously I think I think regulators have gotten to a point where they realize cannot lah you know it's you, you cannot block it anymore there's just so much money in it so many people's livelihood are directly and indirectly tied to it so you know um, I mean there are a lot of Singaporeans that own crypto right I mean even I was quite surprised with some of the surveys I was like huh so many of you own so much crypto right so um, yeah it, it is just it is just a reality that more and more people is in the space, so the, the authorities have to kind of work with it. You know, I'm, I'm sure it's similar in many other parts of the world. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So it is what it is. It is here to stay. Yeah. Any any last things that you guys want to add on uh, today's stories? No, but at least for the last piece, I think the allowance of banks in, in Hong Kong to provide account services for crypto companies is is quite a big, uh, a significant um, development. La. I mean, if you want to grow the ecosystem, this is like one of the most essential services that need to be provided. And I think it'll go a long way for Hong Kong in terms of attracting Web3 companies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Maybe it's time for Trust Bank in Singapore to release something, right? Oh. Wait, isn't Trust Bank the bank for like... 
NTUC is the shop at NTUC. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Because NTUC is behind <laughs> it, ma. That's why shop and you know, to the, the NTUC point. Oh my god, my goodness. By the way, trust me, you want to sponsor? I'm happy, okay? Although I disturb you, <laughs> I disturb you, huh? but but yeah, I, I think it's, it's time for some of these neo banks in Singapore to explore something like that, right? If if not, how are they gonna stand out? How are they gonna compete yeah, I mean, with it, the big it would boys? Be easier for neo banks, right? Mm-hmm. Like ZA Bank was the first neo bank in Hong exactly. Kong. You're not gonna yeah. put the big boys, right? We're, we're not we're yeah. not we're not talking about merchant bank or HSBC or something, mm. you know. Oh, anyway, HSBC is a is a UK bank, but the existence started in this part of the world. We don't go there, okay? But but yeah, yeah. So let's see when is the next big bank gonna chime in and you know be part of the whole ecosystem. But new banks, you should start, like I think if you really want to stand out from your competition, you know, what are you waiting for? This is a space that you you yeah, you know, because you in your business reality, you need to stand out. So it is what it is. Nice. Um any last words from anyone, Cohen? You know, uh, hopefully nice. this is not your last episode. Yeah, maybe you can go and tell Mark. You know, hey Mark, you can take a break, lah. You know, like let me just let me just do this. <laughs> hey, the longer Mark goes on a break, the more stuff he has to to rent. Okay, so he hey, needs wait. an outlet. Is it? Is it? Is <laughs> What do you think he's doing right now? He's just like festering at home. Like there's more things uh, brewing in his head. He just yeah. needs to let go. Yeah, yeah. Next week he'll come with some like social change theory, right? It's like, you know, I tell you all, right? I came up with this theory, right? <laughs> anyway, just want to shout out to Blockhead's TikTok because Cohen is on the TikTok. It's quite cute. I mean, I saw some of the some of the stuff that you oh, do. Man. I was like, oh, that's so funny. That's so funny. But yeah, yeah. So nice. check out, give some love to Blockhead's TikTok and yeah, check out their website, blockhead.co um, for latest updates in the crypto space so yeah thank you guys uh we'll see you next week take care bye hey coconuts so yes uh i hope you enjoyed this new show that we're building together with the team at blockhead and uh, the goal is very clear right we're not here to shield any token or be a cheerleader for any project but we feel that there's a lot of development that's going on in this space that we could cover and continue to be a little bit smarter um, as investors, I mean, eventually you tune in every week to a financial podcast network so that you can be smarter with your investments. And if it so happened, this is something that you're looking at, the crypto space, Web3, Metaverse, all these kind of stuff, then that is where we're trying to cover, but not from the angle of like, this is good, that is bad, but really trying to see it from like, what is happening? How is it developing? And I hope you find this useful and interesting, right? So if you want to continue to get more coverage around the crypto space, check out blockhead.co. And then we will see you next week.